Welcome to E-Commerce with Coffee, a podcast powered by Amber Engine, where we share e-com secrets for brands over your favorite brew. We start with the caffeine and then leap enthusiastically into behind-the-scenes e-com insights that led to the success of our guests. I'm Nate Svoboda, and I'm about to serve you up the best. Let's get started. All right. So today on this episode of e-commerce with coffee, we're talking to Barb Davids. Um, Barb, how are you doing today? I'm good, Nate. How are you doing? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. The weather's been really, really nice these past couple of days. So I've been yeah. enjoying the uh, the sunlight. Uh, summer seems to be right around the corner. Um, so Barb, you know, you you are the um, the owner uh, at Compass Digital Strategies, which you know does e-commerce, uh, digital marketing, SEO services for you know small uh, small to medium sized businesses. Would love if you could give us the highlight of what brought you down the path that you are today. Um, it was a winding path. <laughs> um, kind of what kickstarted it was at some point I decided that um, I just didn't want to sit behind the desk anymore and. I really loved what I do, like digital marketing and in that space. And then I started um, a, a side business with fitness photography. So I started looking for specifically SEO stuff just for that like niche uh, industry. And it, even for me, it was like kind of confusing to figure out like what the heck do I do or what process? I just didn't even know. And I had been in it before and then um, started networking with people who were also doing photography, found out that they were kind of confused as well. And then like I said, I was kind of done with sitting behind a desk. So that kind of merged all together. And I started helping um, a couple of friends out. And then I had people helping outside, wanted help outside of the industry um, from photography. And the next thing I know, <laughs> Compass Digital Strategies was off and running. So it seems like it was a pretty organic growth then. So what's been your favorite part of, of running your own business and, and providing these services? There's a couple different things. So I... I know it sounds sort of corny, but it definitely does make me happy when my clients and people that I can help, they can get their goals and they see successes and things like that. Like selfishly, I'm helping. So it feels good. <laughs> um, but the other thing is also the flexibility. I like being able to go to a different state, spend some time with like friends or family and not have to worry about taking vacation days. I can just go there, work there and not worry about my, my income. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously most of us are, are familiar with digital marketing and SEO, but if you could just, you know, give us the highlight of the, you know, what do you mainly help your, your client organizations with? Primarily it's getting more organic traffic to their website and converting more um, sales or leads. So it's doing it without having to pay for ads technically or paying for like um, social media ads or Google ads or anything like that. So like when somebody types in, um, looking for a couch on Google and they want to buy a red couch, then my clients, my job is to try and get them as far up on first page as possible. Can't promise anything, but that's the goal. So that no matter what they search, uh, the customer that they find their website. Absolutely. Well, that makes total sense. I'm really excited to dig into some of the more of the questions that we have prepared for today. But before we we do, you know, Barb, you're, you're extremely busy. So I imagine caffeine has to play some type of a role in your day to day. Would that be fair to say? Yeah. <laughs> I see you drinking one right now. What are you, uh, what are you drinking today? I got, I got coffee. It's called um, strong AF. I won't say the words, <laughs> um, but here, actually I brought it just so you could see it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's kind of cool. So um, it's really good. It's got a lot of caffeine. Let me just tell you. <laughs> very nice. Well, yeah, I've just got, I, I'm kind of just doing the same thing. I've just got my Keurig. So uh, very nice. Nothing yeah. like a freshly brewed cup of coffee. 
Yeah. Um, well, very cool. So, I mean, diving right into it, Barb, you know, obviously, depending on where you're selling a product online, whether it's the, the marketplace or the channel, you know, you're going to do different things to optimize your product pages, right? Mm -hmm. Now, can you give us some examples of different optimizations you might make for like, you know, a Shopify storefront versus an Etsy page versus some of these other channels that, um, you know, your client organizations are trying to engage with? How might they change their strategy? Um, well, in terms of optimizing, it's going to be pretty much the same across the board in, in like the overarching strategy. Like you want to fill out as much information as you can, no matter what platform that you're selling from. Um, I think what might be different is uh, maybe the description or maybe how it's worded on some of the platforms. Like if you sell your product straight up through um, your Shopify website to the organic search, um, you, you might take a different approach than you would say on Etsy, depending on the audience, if it changes a little bit. But I guess if it's your audience, you're probably going to make it pretty much close to the same. But the, the filling out portion is a big deal. So different platforms are going to have different available like attributes or things that you can put for each product and you would just want to fill those out completely so like i think for example etsy i think it is um has like tags that you can put on there and you don't see that one maybe in that same format like if you're just on your wordpress site woocommerce shopify um, anything like that but you do want to fill them out in full on etsy because it's how um part of that algorithm works so when they start searching on etsy they're going to take a look at the tags to know which uh, seller to show on the page. So now, obviously, I think the the gut answer to this might be hire someone like yourself who, who's an expert at this and knows how to do it. But you know, how can brands be proactive in, in gaining the information to know how to optimize for one website for another versus another? You know, how do you get that knowledge? So I always recommend starting with the platform. A lot of the platforms have a lot of help information. Some of them even offer one-to-one -one consulting services for free to like better utilize their system because they want you to use their product. Um, the other thing you can do is go to like Google and search communities for and then your platform. So if you're on Shopify, you could say communities for Shopify and see if it, there's any like Reddit groups out there, um, Facebook groups, that kind of thing. Um, and I think a lot of industries too just have like their niches, like with furniture, you know, they have the furniture market every year. So there's different places that you could um, tap into to find um, that kind of information as well. Okay. So it seems like the information is definitely out there, but to your point, you know, start with the platform itself and see if maybe they have like a knowledge center available or, or someone that you can get in contact with. So absolutely. Now, you know, as we're talking about, you know, the pages that you actually want to rank in search, you know, do you think that one matters versus the other in terms of like your product pages or, or the actual content marketing, you know, or, or can you work to get it all to rank? Yeah, I think um, definitely all to rank. So first and foremost, you want to make sure that your product pages are done first, though, like the priority order, um, because obviously you want people to buy your product. So you want that, that to have the most information, but you also need more information like blogs. Those are really critical to get more organic search traffic. If you just put up your website and you just put your pages up there, the product that you sell, it's really not, I'm not going to be very good with the words here, but it's really not as enticing to people to make them want to buy unless you have more information about like how to use the product. And sometimes there's only so much information that you can put on the product page, which is where like blogs come into, into play. Um, for example, like I think it's, it's called tangential, I can't ever say the word, <laughs> tangential content. So it's content that is written outside of what you sell, but it's complementary to what you sell. 
So for example, I have a great example, Death Wish Coffee. Um, they do a great job at this with their blog. And they had, um, the other day, they had like a blog about fitness, like an actual fitness workout. And by no means are they a fitness company, they're a coffee company. But what they ended up doing at the bottom then was saying, hey, don't forget we have this such and such a product that will help increase your, your benefits through your, um, through, your, uh, through your workout. And so that might catch somebody's eye who maybe they haven't even heard of Death Wish Coffee. So I guess I'd be curious to know in terms of, you know, when these brands that are switching to focus more on, you know, the D to C play direct to consumer, does anything change or should anything change in terms of their content marketing strategy and, and the types of collateral they're creating? Absolutely. So before, when you're going from B to B, you're, you're focused on a particular group, maybe like industry trade shows, tr industry trade shows, for example. So you're going to hit those places up to get in front of the people that are your audience consumers don't necessarily go to trade shows. So you're going to want to switch where you put your content or maybe how you talk about it. Um, so there's definitely a pivot there that happens. Okay. And, and so, I mean, I guess I'd be curious to know uh, for some of these enormous brands, right? They're dominating certain keywords in certain parts of the market. How do these smaller brands compete with these larger organizations when there's only a finite number of search terms? Yes, there's a couple different things you could do. So in particular, you could start with the lower level uh, search term. So for example, something that's uh, maybe a few words in length or maybe less searched, but that the um, bigger guys maybe aren't spending as much time on perhaps. Um, so trying to find those, that's where keyword research comes into play. I'll back up a little bit. If you take a look at how people are searching online, that will help you determine like what keywords you can rank for, or at least give you some idea. So like, for example, if you want to do uh, running shoes, obviously Amazon and all of those pieces places are going to come up first. But if you get really niche and say pink unicorn sh running shoes or something like that, and if you target content towards that, then you have a better chance at ranking um, your website for that. Now, granted, it's kind of a slower, longer approach by doing it that way, but um, I think that um, is one way to do it. And then the rest of it, I feel like it's also just the business itself. So like have really great customer service, because I think when you're a smaller business or maybe just not that big, big guy, um, they, you have the ability to be more flexible and to pay more attention to each of the customers that you have. So I think it goes on both sides, I think. So when you're developing an SEO strategy, do you recommend that your clients focus on what their competitors are doing or do you really more so have them focus on you know, developing those niche terms so that they can reach their target audience more effectively? Do they compete with the bigger dogs or you know, do you really, you know, what do you advise? They do compete, but it's not necessarily a focus. So we do a competitive research to see what the other people are um, doing. It, it's also, we take it from a, so there's two different kinds of competitors. When you have the ones that you know about that maybe you're down the street um, or maybe even a different state or something like that, but the ones that you know about that you're competing with, or maybe that you just like and you're, you're in your head, you're just competing with them. But then you also have the people that you're competing with in the search results. So they might not be a direct competitor, but they're still a competitor because they're coming up before you on those results. So we take a look at all of those and, and pick a few. And then we say, okay, well, what are they doing? And it's not that we necessarily focus on it, but we do use that as sort of um, maybe not even a guide, but we take that into consideration when creating a content strategy or what keywords we're going to rank for. Okay. No, and that makes total sense. Now, you know, switching gears slightly, 
how would you recommend getting consumers to your product listings once they've viewed your content, you know, your content marketing without coming across as too salesy? How do you just organically yeah. build that, you know, yeah. that willingness to go and seek out more information? Yeah. You don't really want to say like, buy now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's definitely going to come down to copy and how you message what you're, um, what you're saying. So for example, I'm going to go back to death wish coffee because I think they just do a fantastic job. Um, if you go to the bottom of that fitness blog, I was taking a look at, and they talk very softly about using their product, but they don't just say, Hey, buy now or go shop. Now they talk about the benefit of it and why they're mentioning it. So instead of just having that button at the bottom or a link to your categories, they, they really expand out the messaging to explain why they are offering up their product. Okay. No. And that's absolutely. And they're, they're really, they're setting an expectation with you, but they're trying to facilitate, you know, developing a relationship with you as the consumer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Barb, Email marketing, it may not necessarily be dead, but a lot of people think of it as kind of the dinosaur of digital marketing. How has email changed in e-commerce and, and do you still believe brands should be using it now or how do you advise that they go about using it? Yeah, I do recommend it. It's still one of the best uh, digital marketing uh, tactics that you can use. And you know, you can pull any number from any survey or, or um, test that you want to. They I think where it's different nowadays is you have to be more segmented and you have to understand your customer better than you ever did before. So before you could just do as a, a, a blast out and just kind of hope for the best. But now if you really want to get people to interact with your email or even stay on your email list, you have to make sure that it's, it's geared towards what they're looking for. Um, so I guess segmentation is probably like the biggest piece of it because email itself hasn't necessarily changed a whole ton, but segmenting has. So you can get really granular about like, okay, did this person visit this page and they click this button, let's send them this email. So you can get really nitty gritty with what you send out and how often. Okay. Now thinking obviously about uh, email marketing as we, as we just mentioned, but even expanding this more broadly to SEO in general, how do you generally advise your clients to, to measure the impact, right? How do they actually go about, you know, assessing the ROI from any SEO implementation or strategy or, you know, taking a, a, a different approach to these things? How do they measure the benefit? So from SEO perspective, there is a way to measure it a um, couple of different ways, actually. So if you're an e-commerce brand, what you can do is look at your Google Analytics and it, there's, a, there's a hold, it's just right there for you, the revenue that you're driving, the orders that you're getting. And so you can take that information and then back it out to um, what you're spending on SEO. And it even helps to do like, um, like forecasting. So if you want to hit a certain number of orders, you can back it out and say, okay, I get a 2% conversion rate. So every time somebody comes to the website, I can convert 2% of the people. So if you know that, and let's say you want 50 orders, um, you can back it out that way to figure out, okay, how much traffic do I need? And then weigh that against what you're spending. Okay. So that seems fairly easy to do then now. And obviously having someone like you on their team to help you would be beneficial now. In terms of the massive growth we've been seeing in e-commerce over you know, the past year, but even arguably leading up to the pandemic, what has surprised you most in terms of the way that e-commerce has changed? Um, let's see, there's a couple different things. I think um, first I was a little bit surprised about Google ads being able to um, 
show your product on there for free when they did that last year. And I think that really opened up a lot of opportunity for the smaller businesses. So you didn't have to pay ads in order to show your products. Now, granted, it was only in like the shopping area. So you had to go in a certain part of Google, but it's still an outlet and there's still a lot of people looking at that. Um, so that was one thing. And I think just the, the sheer number of tools and the automations available and like you don't have to struggle so much anymore, or at least when, when I first started getting into e-commerce, like you had to type every single thing in every single product. Well, now there's a lot of automation tools that are available out there and things that can populate your website for you or your wherever you're sourcing your product. So um, I think that's probably the biggest thing and it's been great. So the, yeah, the increasing adoption of technology and the availability of these solutions to, to put time back in the day of a lot of these businesses. Absolutely. Yep. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, the fact that e-commerce has been significantly becoming more of a focus for a lot of businesses since the pandemic, when you're helping businesses develop their digital marketing strategy, what are some of the most common gaps that you see when, you know, they come to you, they, they ask the questions, they start working with you? What are some of the first things that you usually notice? Mm, that is a good one. I think probably the most biggest one is that the most biggest one, whatever the, the biggest one that I come across is that the pages don't necessarily have all the information that they should have. So one of the big ones is like page title and page description. And so when you're in the search results and you're looking up something, you'll see the, the title of the result and then you'll see a description at the bottom. And a lot of times those aren't optimized on websites or they're blank, like nobody had filled them in or they just leave whatever the default is. And I think that more attention uh, probably could be paid to that. Um, another one that I see a lot of the times is they put like one keyword that they want to rank for and they plaster it all over their entire website 500 times. And that's also kind of a uh, not good to do. So because Google Google gets confused about what that page actually stands for. If you have that same keyword across the entire site, it doesn't mean that it's going to rank your entire site because it can only pick one page to show. Um, well, I can uh, let me back that up. That might have sounded a little weird. So you can show two of your pages in terms of uh, what comes up on the search results, but it's 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 only looking page by page. So it's only going to show this one first and then this one. So um, I think those are probably the two biggest things that I've seen. Right. And so to back up that last point, you really want to get tight on what is the information that specific page is trying to convey to make sure that it comes up when the person actually, you know, they're seeking out that information. No, that makes that's That makes a lot of sense. Well, so Barb, you know, for our listeners that, you know, this resonated with them, the conversation we've had today, where can they get in touch with you to learn about the services you offer or um, gain the benefit of your expertise? I have a um, URL, especially for your listeners. So if you go to compassdigitalstrategies.com slash e-commerce with coffee, uh, no punctuation, anything, just put it all together. Uh, it'll take you to a page with uh, just a couple helpful resources um, that you can take a look at. There's some checklists, um, that kind of thing. Awesome. Cool. Well, Barb, really, really appreciate the conversation today. It's been awesome speaking with you. Uh, and I definitely hope to have you back on for, for future conversations. It was great talking with you, Nate. Thank you. Thanks, Barb. Have a good one. Thanks. That's it for this episode of e-commerce with coffee powered by Amber engine. If you haven't gotten your fix yet, be sure to get more e-commerce brand secrets on our website at amberengine.com. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.